Support for this episode is brought to you by SipTequila.com. We've waited a long time, but the moment is here. Sip Tequila is opening up a brand new retail space and distribution center unlike anything you've seen before. Don't miss their grand opening on Saturday, September 30th in Stewart, Florida. Tickets are on sale now at SipTequila.com. You'll get a chance to taste tequila from over 45 different producers with over 100 expressions. That's SipTequila.com, grand opening Saturday, September 30th from 1 to 5 p.m. And now it's time for the show on this episode of the Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the show. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. I recently returned from an incredible week in Mexico as I was part of the Tequila Matchmaker Additive Free Week. And I figured the best way to recap the week is to invite my buddy, Grover Sanchagrin, on to discuss. Grover, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I love being here. I think this is my third time, right? It is. It is your third time. I don't don't know if anyone else has done. Jake Lustig, I think, has done three because he has Mezcal and... A lot of stuff, but but you are elite, elite status. <laughs> Grover, a while back, you we, we had dinner a while back, and you were telling me, and this was maybe a year ago, you were telling me that you guys were working on this additive free week. And I know you, you Scarlett, Carla, put a lot of work into this, but uh, wh- why did you want to do this? What I know you spent a lot of time prepping this, but wh- why did you want to pull together this group and do this week? Well, you know, uh, the process for additive free confirmation uh, inside the app has been going on now for three years. I've been visiting distilleries, old and new, you know, and learning about all the different processes that people go through to make tequila. Everything seems to be different, and everything's always interesting. And I remember going through the process thinking, man, we, I, just, I need to figure out a way how to involve other people in this experience that I'm getting. Maybe not the full experience, because usually, well, always, NDAs are involved when I go okay. to a distillery, and, and then they reveal all their processes. But there were certain lessons that I learned along the way that I realized Wow, you know, a lot of people, people need to hear about this. People, uh, more people need to know all of the things that I've been learning. So that was the basis and the gist of the whole structure of it. I reached out to a bunch of the brands and I said, would you be willing to tell this story or reveal your process to a group of really advanced, enlightened people who are passionate about the category? And the ones that said yes, I was like, great. Let's do this. And we came up with a curriculum and put it together. I wanted to be, I wanted this to be something that wasn't typical. It wasn't something that you would get if you just went to the distillery and did a, st- a standard tour. Yeah. I kept telling the, 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 the distilleries and the brands, I said, I want this to feel like people are going to college, like they're walking into a college classroom, you know, in a distillery setting so that they would learn some super advanced topics. And don't be afraid about going over people's heads. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll go over people's heads. Maybe it'll be too technical. But I thought, wow, I mean, that's aspirational, you know, to, to yeah. come to a distillery and then be be treated as, you know, someone who is advanced instead of, it. you know, you always go to these distilleries and it's just the regular dog and pony show. I wanted to avoid that. And I, I was hoping, I think we kind of succeeded. I think it was a, you know, a first time and a lot of the brands didn't really know what I was talking about at first. And we had to have lots of meetings about this 
because it breaks the it breaks the normal pattern of tours when people yep. come to a tour there's always a certain rhythm and process and stuff that they take people through when they when you're visiting their their property and i just wanted to skip all that and just go right to the meat of learning stuff yeah from the i mean from the beginning you you said night one this is not a tour this this was a deep dive with access to things that that very few people get and i think you did succeed at that i mean i i felt like i got my master's degree and you know tequila camp all week being there <laughs> uh which you know a lot of information there you had a great mix of people on this trip uh you had you know all the big content creators you had panel members bartenders uh some people from the media people that own retail and and i remember at some point you said i invited people because there's maybe 25 of us or so and you said I, I want people that can help share this story to tell this story of what's going on and in the you know, past couple of years you guys have been telling this story but but why was it so important to have you know the the right people there to to continue to share this story i thought it was important to have the right mix of people because i wanted i wanted a variety of questions uh from different perspectives of the industry to come up having people like journalists who have a, a, a very distinct view that you know the the influencer crowd, the, the content creators. They're in. They're deep in like super nerds, right? So yeah. um, th- I knew that was going to be. They're going to have a different set of questions than, let's say, a retailer would. There were some industry people there too who uh, I knew were had a different perspective and would be able to raise different different questions to everybody, and so people could learn different viewpoints. Having retail, having retailers there. I mean, that's. That's always fascinating to me, like to get the input from a retailer on what their perspective or their view of the industry is always fascinates me because it's usually quite different than the lens that we put on it. So that was good. I don't know. I thought that the overall collaboration, I I got another, we very carefully selected the list of people to come Yeah. and we wanted to make sure that everybody was going to get along and be collaborative with each other. And it wasn't going to turn into some kind of ego fest. A lot of personalities. And as, as I looked at the list and, you know, as we started this week, I was curious to see how this was going to play out. And from my perspective, I don't think it could have gone any better. I mean, I think everybody really enjoyed being with each other. I think there was a lot of respect. It was great to, to be with a lot of these people that we've talked via social media for years, but may not have always been in the same room. And, you know, just, you know, a highlight for me was being with Lou Agave because he had a smile (laughs) from ear to ear the entire time because he was so genuinely excited to be there so uh you know from from what i saw i i thought it it went really well and and didn't feel like there was any ego or or anything as we just all wanted to learn yeah you know i i'm in like regular text communication with all these people and the people come to me and before they make a post on something and they'll be like is this true or hey someone just told me this uh does that does that sound right and you know, a brand rep is telling me X, Y, Z. Is that how it goes? You know, like, so I would always be the, the sounding board and say like, nah, that's not possible. Or yeah, yeah, that checks out. And then uh, then I would see like the next day that the piece of content would come out. I got to know everybody. So, you know, when, when you're like cruising Instagram or TikTok, you see a certain side of these influencers, right? You don't really know who they actually are because when the they're talking to you one-on-one and you get a different sense. And I knew that everybody was going to get along. Those who I felt uh, wouldn't, you know, be exactly ideal for this mix. 
I just didn't invite. <laughs> so, uh, and that's a few. I didn't want to bring anybody in who makes it all about themselves all the time. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that the people that we brought in were really uh, f- loving the, the category for what it is and, and had, had a desire to educate and provide accurate information about the industry. It's been fun seeing after, you know, all of, all the content that has been going out and just seeing what people and everyone's spin and, and how they do things. And, and I, I really did think it was a great group. And, and I, like I said, people were just so genuinely excited to be there and, and to be a part of something that's never been done before. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think you really did a great job bringing, bringing that list together. I, I know this trip was a lot to put together logistically, financially. I'm sure it was stressful. Uh, you, you had some hesitation with letting all of us know the itinerary beforehand, because it seemed like there was some genuine fear that, you know, maybe, maybe some people would find out about this that is involved in the industry and, and may try to reach out to some of these brands and say, Hey, what, why are you doing this? Did you feel that throughout the whole, you know, leading up to this? And, you know, I mean, I know you and Scarlett really have been the catalyst for this additive free program. And, and I think over the past year, we've really see it ramp up to where people are really wanting to know, not just tequila nerds and people deep diving, but your, your everyday drink. I have people that reach out to me and go, Hey, I'm, I'm getting into tequila, but I want to make sure, you know, it's, it's added a free tequila. And, and you guys are, are really the ones championing this. But uh, what was that like as you were, as you were going through this and, and thinking, man, don't, I, I hope, Certain groups don't find out about this because it, it could have uh, ended differently. Yeah, this was a whole new approach towards education and learning. And as you said, you know, we kept saying over and over again, this is not a tour, um, just to kind of set the expectations. We didn't want, we knew that the agenda was really, really great. Like the, the, the educational component was going to be really fantastic. And we didn't want anyone to kind of interfere with us being able to do that. You know, we, re- we we did release the agenda to you guys when you got here, but before that, we didn't want it leaking out as to where we were going or what we were doing or even what we were going to talk about. Some of the topics we talked about were pretty industry sensitive, yeah. you know, and and if anyone, you know, who didn't want that kind of stuff being talked about, if any of these people got word, they could have done something or or showed up that day, you know, and, and, and cause trouble. I, I call me paranoid, but I just didn't want anything to interfere with what I saw was shaping up to be some pretty unique learning experiences. I, I loved first morning as, as you were kind of, you know, given, given some information, you immediately said, okay, all cameras off, all phones off. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is a safe spot. We're going to talk about some things and, and a lot of great information there. You know, so we, we, Kicked it off Sunday night at the Quinta Don Jose in Tlaquipaki. We had dinner. It was hosted by Cascanes. Uh, they did not disappoint as they brought out their brand new Añejo from the new distillery that that's getting ready to hit the market. And they also hit us with a 50% ABV Rosa Blanco that, you know, roses are, are becoming more and more popular. I, I don't love them, but this one just, I mean, that higher ABV had so much flavor and, and, you know, their main owner is a big wine guy. So using those barrels, uh, so it was really great how you you know brought these brands in. Maybe we weren't with them during the day at a distillery, but to still be a part of the week with these dinners and, and to kick it off with Cascanes was was pretty special. There was only certain man. It was like five days, right? And so you can really go to five distilleries. We went to six, 
but the limited, very limited amount of time for certain brands to be involved. So there was some times when there was like a dinner where we could say, hey, you know, you want to sponsor the dinner, you could stand up and talk to the group about whatever your project is. But I told them, oh, I said, don't do something typical. Like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna stand up in front of people, remember this group. They're advanced people. They're super nerds. Talk to them like that. Bring something interesting or new or you know whatever. It's up to you. But and they all did. Uh, it was cool. They seemed to have really understood what we were after. Yeah, and it ended up being pretty unique. Yeah, I think everyone just had the sense that this was a special week. And and as the days continued to go on, that just continued to solidify that this was something very special. You know, night night one, we this was Sunday night, we hadn't really even started. And I, maybe it was 10, 11, you know, I'm thinking, this is a long week. Like, I'm doing the math of, like, how many days I'm going to be there. I'd already been there a few days. And, you know, how many days I'm going to be drinking tequila. And I'm like, okay, this is a marathon. This is not a, yeah, you know, sure. a, a sprint. And, and I'm getting ready to go to bed and lose going. What, what do you do? Where, where are you going? Or what, why, why are you going to bed so early? I thought we were hanging out. And I said, guys, you know, we, we had this group of Lou and Greg and Don and Craig and, and they were just the old school OGs and, and man, they wanted to stay up and just have some fun together. And, uh, you know, I had to tell Lou, it, it, you know, it's a marathon. And, and then I went to bed and, uh, he woke me up at about one in the morning as I heard him yelling outside of the room, talking to someone, just saying, man this is gonna be such a great week good night buddy <laughs> and i thought and i thought this is the real deal Lou Agave. so it was it was a good tone to set on night one but we were all trying to you know make sure we we made it to the end of the week monday you know monday we we hit it hard you you took us uh, right out the gate we went to the town of tequila and we went to fortaleza uh, again this wasn't a tour I, i've been there multiple times I, i've seen that distillery I, i've walked through it but we had the opportunity to sit with Guillermo and this was a, an ask me anything where we got to hear, you know, his plans for the future, his thoughts on what we're seeing here in the U S with how crazy Fortaleza is. And, and he was pretty transparent and very honest as you know, they grew super fast. And he's even said, you know, maybe we shouldn't have opened up as many markets as we opened up because they're now struggling with, with that demand. What, what's some of your takeaways from watching the growth of, you know, Fortaleza and seeing how crazy it's become to, you know, even find their bottles? I mean, I, right away, my first exposure to Fortaleza, uh, oh my God, was, I think the first bottle I bought was a uh, lot five, it was a lot five in Yeho was the okay. first bottle I ever bought when we were living in San Francisco. And I liked it. You know, it was it was good. But then not until I moved to Mexico with Scarlet and we went to the distillery for the first time did I realize, oh my God, this place, unbelievable. And it was just this vibe that the place had. And I knew that it would eventually just blow up because nobody, no other brand had all of these things. Like, the great tequila, legit family story, piece of property that's worth a bajillion dollars. Yeah. An old school distillery that like is right out of central casting, just everything. And then of course, you know, you know, Gmo himself, who's just, you know, a character. So all of these things, you know, this is just a recipe that like no other brand has. And it was just destined to, to blow up. And the more people talked about it, the more, the more it, uh, it just blew up. And we were we were seeing it from the back end side. We're seeing it in our app. Positive 
scores and lots of activity and likes and people looking for information about Fortalez all the time. We saw it coming and happening. It doesn't surprise me at all. Unfortunately, there's a shortage now because they grew too fast. And luckily, here in Mexico, there is really not that much of a shortage. So uh, we can still get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was even talking. I mean, you know, we're talking about we've seen prices go crazy. And, and you know, I, I'm always trying to spread the message that that's not them. That's not Guillermo's heart. You know, he wants to create right. a great tequila that that every person can can afford and he even said you know if i find out that there are distributors that are raising the prices they will no longer be distributing fortaleza i mean he he's really standing behind going hey guys let's let's not let this thing go too crazy when, when we were there they brought out uh, stefano brought out a very special bottle it's it's been starting to kind of go crazy on the internet i've got one right here this is the los abuelos special edition what what can you tell me because you allowed me to to buy one of these because you had a stash there what can you tell me about this bottle of tequila because it is pretty special and, and it's got a great cause behind it yeah it's uh, the amori Paris or loving dogs <laughs> bottle only 960 of them are uh, made available for sale okay it just came from one basically one sherry cask and uh, it was it was supposed to be or and it was a, a thing for my friend Adam and Sarah's for their wedding they got married on the property and they put in a put some uh, Fortaleza still strength in a barrel and then it, it, it sat there I saw that barrel. I've seen that barrel for a long time. It's it. They put it in, and then they were planning to get married, and then the pandemic came, and then so it sat, and it sat, and it sat, and it got like super overaged. And so when it came time, uh, Scarlett and I, Adam asked us to go down there and try it, give our feedback. We went down there, uh, and we sat with Guillermo up at the house, and we tried it, and and, and it was just over oak. Uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, the same thing could be said for the uh, for the extra añejo. We tried that when it was before it got mixed into forty two okay. and forty three a. Eh? Okay, yeah. we tried that and it was also also over oaked. Just when I say that, I mean like uh, kind of really dry and scratchy, like very tannin filled. Okay. And so when he mixed that in uh, with the regular añejo by mistake. It made it all better. Well, this is the same thing that happened. So we were up there at the, uh, at the house trying it, and I just thought, well, what if we made a Hoban out of this? So I just took the 46% Blanco, and I just mixed half and half in the glass. And I was like, hey, wait, check this out. This is actually pretty nice. And so we, we tried it, and we thought, okay, let's, let's, let's save this and make it a Hoban, and that's going to be the thing that we will serve to all the wedding guests. So the only, only question remained was, like, what's the percentage of – sherry cask versus still strength and so stefano went and and made uh, a bunch of different blends and brought them over to our house at casa lotecito we all sat down and we kind of like went through them all and, and selected our favorite and then he says okay but hold on a second i have this other idea and he, instead of mixing it with the 46 percent, i just mixed it with our reposado so kind of like winter blend right like yeah okay so we tried that one sip of that we were like oh my god what? This is clearly the winner. And that's what we basically set up as. And we just don't touch it. Leave it exact. It's like 41.6%. Don't touch it. Let's just, let's just go with this. And we gave that every table at the wedding had a bottle on it with this stuff in it. And I tell you what, we were just sitting there drinking it like crazy. We were just like, this is like, it's Fortaleza, but it's like, it's got a different kick to it. It's like a special treat. Fortaleza. It's really interesting and fun. 
And then uh, at the end of the wedding, there was all this left over. And so we're like, what are you going to do with this? Guillermo decided like, let's, let's just like donate, use this to donate to a dog charity. Because, you know, that's near and dear to his heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, uh, there's, a, there's a charity called the Sula Society uh, based out of Puerto Vallarta. And they rescue street dogs. And so he uh, said, let's, let's, do, let's get money to them somehow through the sales of this bottle. And so we came up with a plan to do that. I asked him, I said, can you please just put a Fulos Abuelos label on it and only sell it in Mexico? Because I feel, you know, as a person who lives in Mexico, we, it's, hard, it's hard for us to get tequila that's not available in the States. He's like, yeah, sure. Well, of course, that meant that they had to print another label because the label has to, had to say 41.6% on it versus 40%. So they had a special label printed with just that little minor detail changed. If you look at the bottle, you can see it, right? And then that came out. They made a little hang tag for it. And that's it. 960 bottles. It went to uh, retail stores uh, here in, in Mexico, and it sold out in five hours. So we have some bottles, and we are going to do all sorts of fun little fundraising things with these bottles, and including, and we're going to announce this soon. So you'll be hearing that you get the scoop on this. We're going to do, uh, uh, if you donate directly to the actual charity of themselves of like a certain value, we'll just send you a bottle like free. That's a, a great way to get money directly to the charity without any, any middleman, you know, we're going to announce details on how to, how to do that and how to enter that into that uh, process. But in the meantime, we're working on some technical details to make it happen. I, I think once you launch it, you're, you're going to see some people donating to that charity, which, uh, which is going to be pretty awesome. Cause you know, they, they've got dogs all over the property and I know Stefano, I mean, it's, it's big for him. He loves dogs and, and Guillermo. And, and so man, what a great cause. And the color on this is just, I've never seen a color like this on a Fortaleza. I mean, it's, it's almost orangish. I mean, it's just so beautiful. And, and you actually opened up a bottle, uh, one of the nights we were there and, and, you know, we got to, got to try it. And so um, I'm glad I was able to get a bottle because I know people are, are going crazy. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for, for once you launch and uh, give people an opportunity to uh, support a great cause and maybe, maybe get some tequila. The only tricky uh, situation here is that you need to come to Mexico to get the bottle. I was wondering about how they're going to get it. Because it's a Los Abuelos label, which means it cannot be sold in the United States. Okay. And we can't ship it, right? We can't ship across the border because that's it, it's like impossible. But you can, if, you, if you're going to be down here or you have somebody, like you can send it to your, your tia's house or, or your abuelo's house, then the option's open. Yeah, it was a great day there at, at Fortaleza. We, you know, we did a little bit, you know, there were a few people that had not seen the distillery. So at, at the very end, you know, you guys let them go run through it real quick. And, and then we, we did head back to, to Laki Paki where we had an, another dinner, you know, again, bringing these brands in. We had Steve Vera with El Gran Legado. He had a great dinner with us. We, we actually hung out later that night and he actually brought out a bottle of, he's got a new still strength, man. We, we tasted a, a lot of incredible still strengths on this trip and, uh, and it was great to hang out with him. Uh, so, you know, that was day one in the books, which was pretty awesome. And then Tuesday, Tuesday we got up and we went to a distillery that I had never been to before, but was on my list. This was Volcan de Mitera. I think this was a huge eye opener going there. We got to see, man, this is a great brand. This is a brand. And I, and I was very honest with the team there. I, I feel this brand sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, but this is an incredible brand. They're doing things the right way. I don't think they get the attention that they deserve. Was that part of it, you know, for you to, 
pick to bring us there to kind of see, hey, this is one that that we don't always talk about and, and isn't always on the forefront of our radar. Uh, but this was a, a pretty special day with them. Yep. This was something that is right in line with like an eye-opening experience. Like I, I, when I first went there, the very first time, you know, to confirm them in the Additive Free Program, I went there like super skeptical, like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. This is a company, this is a Moet Hennessy, you know, situation. I don't know what I'm walking into here, but I was kind of thinking like, this is going to be, who knows? And I was shocked to learn they were actually doing everything the right way. It was, yeah. uh, all of my, all of my uh, preconceived notions were wrong. And I knew that I wasn't alone. I, I felt that. I knew everybody felt that way. Nobody really knew what was going on here. And it required going to the distillery and looking and seeing and experiencing it for yourself to figure out what was going on. I was very interested in making sure that people got a corrected view of what they're all about. They, they don't have to do the, the process that they're doing. You know, they don't, but they do. And they stick to the, they're very passionate about their additive free pledge. And, you know, they're in the high end luxury space which isn't really known to be an additive free playground, right? Yeah. Yet they're trying to occupy that space. And I think that's commendable. Yeah. Very, very transparent. I mean, this brand that, you know, I, I think from, from what I learned, they, they bought the distillery maybe six years ago or so revamped it. Uh, it already had the brand Volcan de Matera, a different profile back then. And they brought in Ana Maria Romero, who was a big part of this week. And, and she, you know, she created the, the profile for them and this distillery I mean, for one brand, to be coming out of this distillery. I mean, they, they have autoclaves, brick ovens, Tahona roller mill. I mean, the options that they have was pretty incredible because they could, I mean, they could pump out some serious liquid if they really wanted to. And they were very transparent. We, we started the day with a, a class on fermentation that when you said it might go over some people's heads, I mean, this was definitely in depth, you know, very cool, a lot of information, uh, but really incredible to see. And I know you've talked in the past about how important fermentation is that we always want to talk about, you know, is it brick oven? Is it this? Is it this? And a lot of times we just kind of skip over fermentation and hearing them, it, it was like, whoa, this is not an area that, that you want to skip over. This is an area to really investigate and see what you can learn. Fermentation's absolutely everything. Yeah, really is. You know, you can learn that just by going to distilleries, I get, but I really learned it in the process of trying to make lotecito. And that's me making stuff at home, experimenting and trying to learn. Fermentation is like a flavor factory. Everything that you smell and taste is happening, is being developed in that stage. If you rush it, you cut corners, you you don't treat the yeast, right? Then you're going to, you're going to get the result. And it's going to, you know, you're going to feel it and you're going to taste it. It's hard though. It's hard to have a conversation about fermentation. This is like activity going below the surface of the water. That's microbial. Like there's not really much you can see, but it's extremely important. So I thought, well, you know what? They're actually using two yeasts. Well, three, if you count the, the Taona process, which is just spontaneous. So that's wild airborne yeast combined with two other types of yeast. And I thought, well, Obviously, they get it. They understand what fermentation and yeast can bring to the process. So let's have a, a class on fermentation there. And I knew, I mean, even even for the most experienced of producers, it's probably you know we were talking about molecular stuff and what's happening, you know, with the cell walls and the yeast cells and the membranes and all that stuff. Things that you do and fermentation that cause positive and or negative effects 
Also, the interesting for me is is the interplay between yeast uh, that you add and bacteria that's in the environment. It's kind of like a race for resources, right? The bacteria and the yeast are both vying for the same sugar. So you add the right percentage of yeast, and so that gets a head start. So the, the yeast, which you want to consume the sugars to produce the flavor profile, does most of the eating and the bacteria comes in later you know when and scoops up what's left but there's both positive and negative aromas and flavors that can come from both yeast and bacteria so uh, some of the things that are some of the things that are considered to be a bacteria fermentation that's considered a defect but I still love stuff like saline olive you know brine those kinds of things are and I know we're getting nerdy and really deep into it right now again, but like I, I love the interplay between the natural wild yeast of the environment and the bacteria that's just present, and then the added yeast that you put in to kind of like kick to start the process. I, I'm fascinated by the interplay of all that stuff. Well, it's incredible to think, you know, hey, this is tequila. These are you know people in Mexico making this thing, this old distillery. And then you you learned what we learned and you just see these guys are going deep. These guys are thinking the way they're approaching everything, it's all intentional. And and then the way they bring in nature to, you know, you you don't know the final result. There's there's always gonna be a level of nature, time of year, what I mean, especially with them, they're getting agaves from all sorts, you know the highlands valley i mean they they really are mixing it up uh so i mean that that was an incredible class that distillery was probably probably the cleanest distillery i've ever been to i mean it, it just was everything the ovens and then they take us to their barrel room with this grand entrance and it was you know, they had maybe three thousand more than three thousand barrels in there and it was absolutely stunning to to be there and to see their entire process. We ended, you know, a tasting event, a couple of different Blancos. And, and just like a lot of these other brands we got to be with, they've got some exciting stuff coming up. And so, I, I you know, I'm, I'm excited to try to help them as much as I can, because I really do think they're a great brand. And, and it was, I mean, it was, it was a real treat to go there. And then afterwards, you know, so this is the Gallardo family who's also involved. Afterwards, we went to their Hacienda La Gavilana, which this incredible property that I think they said has been in their family since 1776, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> and I don't think we got to see it. I don't know if you went over and looked at it, but there's an old, really, really old distillery on the property. I didn't see it. They, like, they talked about it, but we, we didn't make it out there. It's it, it's like in ruins form, but you could still walk into like what the oven you know was. and Okay. And, just really cool, and and the 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 part that they brought up that was interesting was like there was distilleries on every one of these haciendas. The, every hacienda had a distillery, and they would make it wasn't called tequila back then, but it was like they would make a you know agave spirit, and it would be used like bartering, you know, to buy things and yeah. trade things and stuff, and I guess for partying. But you know, to see that there's this old there's this hacienda, and then just in the shadow of the hacienda was a distillery, you know, was was super cool. I was I'm telling them like you should fire that back up again. I wonder what that would do. I'm like just try <laughs> try to make a batch out of that. 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, honestly, I, I wish we could have spent a lot more time there. They were so gracious, great hosts, and, and I definitely need to go back to to walk the, the ruins there. Um, but it was great. And another thing I loved was, you know, you invited brands that were participating. You invited them to come hang. Hey, come be a part of this. You know, we had the Cascanes guys. They were with us pretty much most of the week. And... Carlos Corain, who is Volcan's global brand ambassador. I mean, this guy's six foot seven. It's hard to miss. Six foot seven, the nicest guy. And he hung out with us pretty much the entire week. And I really enjoyed getting to know him. I actually, you know, I, I text with him daily and, and go, yeah, I made a friend on this. Uh, but it was really cool to see these brands come and go, hey, I want to be a part of this and not just talk about where we're going, but to go to the next distillery. And because everyone's there learning. You know, what was interesting was when we were putting this together, usually you get, uh, you get brands and distilleries that are protective of what they're doing and they don't want to have other competitors or like lurking about stealing their secrets. But this was all about transparency across the board. And everybody was basically like, come on, bring whoever. Yeah, sure. Let's all learn from each other. Yep. And there was no really, there was no hiding anything. I thought that was a, was a nice way to, to be transparent, not just in words, but in actions. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, uh, we did a lot. We did not have a lot of downtime. You guys packed in a schedule there into that week. Uh, Wednesday, we, we got up, we grabbed all of our stuff and we headed to Atatonioco where we got to visit Siete Leguas and uh, I'd never been there. So that was, you know, really incredible oh. to, to see, I mean, this brand and it was a, it was a pretty good size operation, you know, multiple distilleries. This is a brand that I think started in 1952, Ignacio Gonzalez Vargas. And, and was it, they were telling us he passed away and everyone was telling his wife, you need to sell this. You need to, you know, you have no business making tequila. And she said, no, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to buy another distillery and, and I'm going to make tequila to honor my, my late husband. And, and it's still continued generational in the family. Uh, it's now run by their son, Juan Fernando, and, and he's continuing with, with his kids there. Uh, but man, amazing production to see the mules. They still use mules for the Tahona pits. Uh, it, it was pretty impressive to go and, and spend the day there. I love this family. I love their products. Uh, we drink it all the time. Yeah. It's their, It's just, they make tequila with their hearts. They really do. They stick to their process and it really shows. Like it, I think, I think Siete Leguas is just a hidden gem. Like yeah. it's, a, it's available on most, you know, in the U.S. all over the place. But it's one of those brands you kind of have to know. Yeah. Like you kind of have to know. I love the seasonal variability that comes with their batches. Um, they're not so, they don't really put lot numbers, uh, obviously, like Fortaleza does, but it's real and it's natural and they embrace the differences. They, you know, they have three different distilleries, with each with slightly different processes. Uh, one of them has a roller mill and the other two have Tona, but it's really a blend of those three processes in the truest sense that really brings all this complexity. And I thought it was cool for them to talk about how the differences uh, from from still to still and from fermenter to fermenter and from b distillery to distillery brings depth and complexity. And they openly invite the environment to have an imprint on the product. So all the, all the tanks are open air and, and the doors are wide open and the outside breeze is coming in. And, and uh, it's just, it's really nice to see that there's a, there's a brand that exists that, you know, is that way. And it's also, pretty widely available. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in Mexico, you know, again, I've done videos and 
people yell at me and, and go, I don't know what I'm talking about. And everybody that lives in Mexico are tequila experts, but, but I see a, a ton of, uh, yeah, good logic. I see a ton of, uh, you know, those mass produced brands that are just like they're here, they're all over Mexico. And so that's what people think. And, but Siete Leguas, they have a pretty good hold in Mexico as well. I mean, they've been there for so long, but I see them everywhere in Mexico. And like you said, they're, they're pretty easily available here in the U S and they actually can produce, you know, I mean, they, they have some resources there with three distilleries and, and it's great to see more and more people find them. And when I do different lists or say people go, man, I love Siete Leguas. I'm, that's my go-to or, um, but just a really great family and a great brand. We did a tasting there, uh, with them. And, and we also got to AB some different still strengths and high proofs that they're working on along with some other things. Uh, so, I mean, again, just this week just continues to get better and better as we're, we're just all together learning about all of this. And, and then, from there, and then we <laughs> this was this. This is where it gets this, a little interesting. This is my favorite. My favorite segue uh, from one to the next. So, so we leave Siete Leguas, and from there we go to a newer distillery, Casa Loy. This, this, someone called me uh, a little over a year ago and said, "Man, I want to tell you about this new distillery. They're, they've got a lot of options. They can do a lot of things. I, I think they need to be on your radar. What, what can you tell us about Casa Loy?" Well, they have a diffuser there, and they were the ones where I, I, I've been there a couple times, and each time I go, I have enough, another fresh batch of probing questions about the diffuser. Now, the diffuser is extremely controversial, and I've even, I've even seen some, some comments and uh, posts that are online, or people are really upset that we went there because they have a diffuser. And... That, I'm telling you, that cracks me up because we hear all kinds of incorrect information being thrown about about Diffuser. I thought, well, this would be a great chance for people to see, touch, smell, get up inside one if you wanted to, and some people did. They were very transparent. They, they yeah. let us, yeah, I mean, they, they were proud to show us everything. And they don't just have a Diffuser. They've got brick ovens. They've got autoclaves. I mean, this is a massive distillery built to be able to produce a lot of tequila in, in different options. And, and that's, I know that's why you brought us there because they were willing to go, Hey, come see. And they're also went through the program and not using any additives with that diffuser. Yeah. This is the place where I got all my questions clearly answered for the first time about the diffuser. That's, that's like very difficult to get, you know, most places don't want to talk about it, but they did uh, on several occasions. And then I also learned that there's different ways that you can use a diffuser. And it kind of recalibrated my brain a bit. You know, sure, uh, you could produce, you could take raw agave, put it through the diffuser, and it, that's not I, that's not my favorite. I, yeah. I, I personally do not believe that that's a, it's not a, a product to my liking. Yeah. Usually an acid is, wash. I mean, they're, they're, they're hitting it with, with some chemicals and things like that. The acid is usually used in the cooking, not at their place though. No, uh, no, they use not. a boiling tank. Yeah, but other other diffuser places will, after the raw agave gets extracted from the fibers, now it's just this raw agave liquid slush, yeah. right? That's when they use heat and often uh, acid to speed up the uh, hydrolysis to convert those fructans or what do you want to call it into sugar that can be fermented. You know what? It just produces a very neutral spirit, especially when you go through a column still. Yeah. You're just getting very neutral spirit and that's very cheap, very economical to make. 
they can make it very fast. Yeah, less water um, needed. Uh, it's same water. Oh, okay. I mean, there's a there's a rumor or not. There's some brands that go around saying that the the diffuser uses less water, but really it's it's not true. The, okay. You need the same amount of uh, water. To, you know, if you save it in the if you save it in the in the milling process or in the extraction process, well, then you're adding the the water you need back to the fermentation tank later so that it can have the proper bricks. Very efficient that they want to claim saves the environment may may not be as strong as a, a selling point. Yeah, it's, it's not saving water, but it is uh, it is faster. But in the end, I generally don't prefer raw agave going into the diffuser. I feel yeah. like it's it, it's kind of bland and, and not very exciting. However, they have a set of screw mills in that same place. So they have this whole construction set up where they, they run it through two screw mills that gets the majority of the sugar off. Maybe it's got probably got about five or six bricks left on the fibers that the screw mill can't get off. They take those cooked agave fibers and put those through the diffuser. Now that's a totally different process. And you would never know. It doesn't, it's, you know, a, a diffuser can get used in the process and it, you know, it's just an extraction device. So I, for me, the big takeaway was what are you putting into the diffuser? Is it raw agave or is it cooked agave? Yeah, and they, I mean, look, they, we we had a, a very in-depth presentation uh, from them as uh, Alberto Navarro, who, uh, very knowledgeable, telling us all about the distillery. There was a hawk flying around. It was a little, little crazy. This hawk <laughs> was flying around that, that they were using there. But, but they were, you know, they were very proud of, hey, this is efficient. I mean, they, they've got gravity fed ovens to where those agaves come in they go up a conveyor belt they will get sliced you don't even have to slice them they they will get cut in half and quartered and then if we're going into the ovens they'll get dropped from the top so somebody doesn't have to stack them they will get dropped into the autoclave and and it is i mean look it is built to produce a lot of tequila and then we did a tour and and they really showed us everything now for me personally when when i think of how many hands touched a bottle of Fortaleza and how much was involved and things like that. And then to see something like what they've got going on, where their whole thing is, Hey, you don't even need that many people in here to be able to run through this process. To me, there's a difference there. There is a difference there, but uh, you know, to your point for us to be able to see the diffuser and, and you know, they turned it on, they let us, we had to climb up this, you know, ladder to get into it and to see it. Um, it, it was pretty eye opening and something that, you know, I probably won't ever get to see again because most distilleries that have them don't want you to know about them. So, I mean, a lot of value going there and, and to see it firsthand, um, it'll be, you know, they've got a few brands that, that they are currently producing and they're using different variations. They've got one that is just brick oven and, and, you know, going through the process like any normal one would. And then they use, you know, some, the diffuser and screw mill and things like that, uh, for it. So, you know, to, to try those and to taste those, uh, you know, it was good. And, and it was educational to see, um, you know, they had a, a great dinner for us there. They hosted us there. They were very excited for us to be there so it'll be you know interesting to see in the future what what they continue to to pump out but you know i i think they've set themselves up to to be able to make a lot of tequila there to do it added a free that's always a plus you know we tr we tried the products afterwards personally like the, i think the objective that they have is to be able to produce a very safe yeah clean product and it, it does end up kind of becoming a little bit neutral between the 
but they'll depending on the process they use. The the different processes tasted and smelled very differently. Yeah. Uh, the stuff that the stuff that was cooked in the oven was was uh, more likable, had more character than the stuff that went through the diffuser with raw agave. So I, I thought it was interesting for people to be able to see from the same facility what what's the difference when you you know, raw agave versus cooked agave. You know, same agave, just different process. Yeah, was uh, I, I think valuable uh, lesson for people because I don't I don't it kind of bothers me when I see people talking about diffusers or any or column stills or autoclaves or anything without really knowing without ever experiencing it yeah. for themselves and knowing fully what that machine or piece of equipment is all about since so few people ever get to see a diffuser i thought we we need to we need to make this happen we need to get people to to see a diffuser just to you know get their questions answered yeah no it was great and for them to allow us to go up there and to see it and you know they weren't trying to hide anything so so that was good that night you know we stayed there uh, in in the highlands and then thursday thursday Man, Thursday was awesome. Thursday, we went to the Don Falano Barrel House with Sergio Mendoza and Enrique Fonseca. And uh, th- this day, this was a highlight. I mean, we we had the schedule to just kind of hang there. It, it was pretty impressive uh why it wasn't a distillery you know the their distilleries down the valley but but this is you know the barrel house had like twelve thousand barrels they just gave us an education why, why was it important for you to take us there well enrique fonseca i told you guys on day one i said you on thursday you're gonna see me looking like a taylor swift fangirl because <laughs> enrique fonseca to me is is the tequila maker that I want to be when I grow up, like unbelievably talented, super knowledgeable and so open about what he does and how he does it. For me, you know, I would make my little batches of Lotusito and I'd rush over to see him and be like, try this. What can I do better? And he would just sit there and he would, he would ask me questions. What did you do here? What did you do there? And he would guide me through, through the process of making the next batch a little bit better and super patient and i just i just that guy is amazing yeah and he's made i think probably the best tequila there that's ever been made in that in that fuente seca blanco 2018 that that is the magic the magic button for me that i don't know how he i don't know how he did it but it's incredible so anytime i get to spend with him i'm like oh god this is so amazing (laughs) and i thought i thought the people with us uh, during this week are going to love him too yeah. because he's he's not a guy that he doesn't seek out the spotlight you don't really see him in marketing or on social media he's very private and when i found out that he had agreed to come and and present to our group along with sergio i was almost like oh i can't believe it i can't believe it. so i kept you know talking to andres who's the brand rep for yeah for awesome. like every day for a week leading up is he still coming is he still coming? You know, <laughs> really? And so he finally showed up and on his property. I mean, it was, I'd never been there. And it was, I just, I saw people crying because he, of, of the things he was saying and the messages and the passion that it's just was anybody who loves tequila and you're around those two guys, forget it. Yeah. The way they talk about tequila, the way, you know, how they understand how nature, you know, Sergio's just going around the environment here, everything. I mean, everything comes into play. You know, we did a tasting, they had a tasting event set up for us with 12 samples. I mean, we, we did 
three Blancos, three Repos, three Añejos, three Extra Añejos, all from their extensive, I mean, when you talk about an extensive library of, you know, Fuente Seca, Don Filano, I mean, we, we all know they were, they were at one point the largest agave farmers in all of Mexico. And so they've got those resources, those materials to just put tequila in barrels at the tasting we drank a 17-year-old XA that was 63% ABV, yeah. and it was out of this world. I mean, hearing them talk, it, it really was special. And to have, you know, it wasn't like we had to rush to somewhere else. I mean, we did have a dinner that night, but we had the majority of the day there, and and they generously gave us their time and, and their stories. And I've had Jake Lustig on the show, like I said, and one of those episodes was all talking about the distillery. And... You know, that whole episode turned into us just talking about our love for Enrique Fonseca. And afterwards, yeah. Jake called me and he goes, yeah, Enrique listened to it. And he said, you guys talked way too much about me. You, you, guys should, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that's that's him. I, 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 you know, I went to them and I said, look, we, uh, we're going to do this uh, right above your barrel room, like right there. It's like, which is super huge and impressive. So let's talk about, let's talk about aging, right? Let's, let's like use that as a setting to talk about aging. And I said, yeah, okay, we, you know, we can come up with, uh, we can come up with a cool program. And I didn't really have to say more than that. They yeah. just kind of took it and ran with it. So when I showed up with all you guys, they they just upped the bar. He said maturation starts in the field. And I'm like, wait, what are you what are you talking about? Like, I thought it was only in the barrels. And like, no, you know, the maturity of the gave itself is where it all starts. And I was like, Oh my God, dudes, you're blowing my mind again. Yeah. Because like, they're so right. The difference between using mature agave, like really ripe, mature agave in the pro it makes so much difference. It's a gigantic difference. So you take agaves early before they're ready. It's, it's like almost like a different plant. Yeah. You know? So, you know, if you have the ability and the time, if you have the patience to wait until each of the agaves is ripe and ready to go, your final product is going to be so much better. And sure, they can do that because they have their own fields and they're patient and they're not in a rush. Their products really show that. And they're they're great at showing you know, their distillery. They can use whatever tools are there and he's going to tweak it and he's still going to put out some of the best tequila ever. I mean, just the the way they think and approach is is pretty incredible. Yeah, all the different pieces of machinery they have, and knowing that different tactics and different ways to treat fermentation, different stills, different yeah. barrel, all these things bring different characters, and, and then it becomes an exercise in blending, right? Yeah. How do you take you know this one thing over here and blend it with this thing and create a nice new thing? That's a whole nother skill set that he just seems to have come naturally to him. That guy's unbelievable, really. You were in heaven all day. I told you, Taylor Swift fangirl. Yeah, it was it was a highlight. It, it was an incredible day. You know, then then we did we did make it back, and uh, we had a great dinner with Mahinta. Uh, again, these these incredible brands. Uh, Mahinta is one of those brands that you know I want to see more. And same thing with Friday, we were with Corito, and uh, just had a great time with them. And and then it, you know we're in Arandas. We're staying at this hotel that's right off the main road. <laughs> And they said, um, hey, tonight there's a massive party that I, I guess it happens every Thursday night leading up to, I think, their Independence Day. And, yeah. and, and the Thursdays before the rehearsals. And we left that Mahenta dinner and the streets were full of people on horses. I mean, there were all sorts of booths. We, Lucas and I and some others made it to the uh, Tapatio booth where we saw 
Ginny Camarena and Gabby Camarena. And, and we hung out there pretty much the entire night, sipping some Excellencia, some Paradiso wow. and, and just dancing and, and just having fun. But that was like an added bonus to, to, to be there just at the right time. And, and then at some point we, we made our way to the Ocho tent where Fanny Camarena was there. And so, you know, again, to see these people that we didn't expect to see and, and to just see the environment of this celebration was just like, oh my gosh, this is an incredible end to an already incredible day day i don't know how you still had energy i guess i didn't ride you guys hard enough because <laughs> i was out i went right to bed you, you didn't see the videos of uh, lucas and i dancing <laughs> yeah i did see that i saw that about 10 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry you had to see that yeah we were dancing no. with jenny yeah 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 we had we had a lot of fun it, it was great it, it was awesome to to be there and and to you know run into them and, and to just see their love for you know their culture and everything that was thursday and then friday you know friday we were wrapping it up friday you took us out to uh nam 1412 hacienda viejo this is where Ana maria she she's there she personally gave us a tour of this distillery like i said she's producing corrido and mahenta there both very solid i'd never I, you know I've, I've heard a lot about this distillery i had never been there it seemed like it was just it was a hard-working distillery like it, it was not too big not too small but there are only a few brands coming out of there but a, a really solid distillery to to be able to walk through it and to see it this is this distillery whenever i go to this distillery it kind of all comes home to me uh it's full circle time because this is the place where the first cazadores was made very first Cazadores by the yep. Banuelos family. Yeah. And the very first Cazadores is the stuff that I first tried. Like it's my first tequila I ever tried. Scarlett gave me a glass of this when we were friends. She said, try this. And I was like, what? And how? I didn't know tequila would taste like this. So and that started pre, me off. Pre-2000 or so? Or early, late 90s? Yes. Or? Yep. And it was, I just, I just never knew tequila could be like this. And so I just went crazy. Like I need to try more of these tequilas, and then that because that was the first thing I ever had. So Scarlett gets the credit for putting me on this journey, and to go there into this distillery where everything's basically the same, you know, is like oh, I'm so grateful for this place existing. Still owned by the same family, and they're still making. Uh, they tell us it's the same recipe, the same way. Well, because you know, little, little backstory. So that brand was sold uh, early two thousands or so to Bacardi, and and it's still around, but very different recipe. And so they they've continued on with one of their brands that uh, recipe is very similar to the old school Casadores. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great being there. Uh, you know, Ana Maria, she she's just a wealth of information there. And then afterwards, uh, we got to go to the Banuelos family hacienda, which was a beautiful house right there on a lake. We did Ana Maria. She led us through a, a barrels versus Abocantes class. We got kits where we got to, hey, this is good quality tequila, but now let's add some glycerin. Now let's add some yeah. sweetener. And and that was pretty incredible to go, man, just one drop, how much it changes as we went through each one, the, you know, caramel and oak. And then she said, now pour them all together. And it was like, this is a completely different tequila. And sadly, that's what a lot of the American tequila consumers go, wow, this is tequila. And and we just got so far from what that original sample was, which was a really well-made added a free tequila. So that was pretty cool to, to be able to do that. You know, what's great about Anna Maria? She's uh, like a master sommelier. Like she, she can smell things that like canines can smell like her nose is unbelievable and uh and then she can articulate very well to you like what's causing that what 
what step in the process did that come from? So she's perfect for being a master distiller because she can sense when things are going in the right direction or she can really craft a profile just by tweaking the process. Yeah. So I really, I, I like spending time with her because she's very, she's a great teacher and I can ask her things like, where does this come from? And she'll just, oh, it comes from this part of the process and to avoid that, do this, to encourage more of that, do this. She's great. And she is, you know, she's a teacher. Like she, yeah. you, people come to, uh, to take her classes. The industry goes to her to learn. And uh, I've taken a lot of classes, Scarlett and I both, we've taken classes and we're always amongst people in all these other distilleries that where the distilleries send their employees to her to learn. So I thought the best way to end this whole experience was to have an actual class with Anna Maria herself. And I was thrilled when she was like, yes, I would love to do it. So, so everybody got to have probably a once in a lifetime experience of being in one of her classes. Yeah, I mean, she she put us to work. I mean, we we learned some stuff. We even got diplomas at the end of it. And, and it was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty awesome to to be there and, and to see. And, and she is amazing. I mean, she's literally written the book on the aromas and profiles. And uh, you know, to be there, you know, Corito was there. The team there. They had this mariachi band that came out and was one of the tightest bands I've ever seen. I mean, just absolutely incredible. I was really happy that Carito had the foresight to embrace this new type of education type of marketing, you know, where it, they, they were willing to step back um, and let their, their brand, obviously we tasted Carito during the, during the event with Anna Maria, but for them to be able to embrace education, like selflessly, just say, yeah, let's learn about this with Anna Maria, our master distiller. That's the most important thing. And not, you know, trying to hit brand parts and marketing, you know, jargon, just to support the cause, I thought was something that was that took some guts, uh, you know, from all of the brands. But Carito, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but Carito, many years ago, a guy named Brad started it. It was all about like transparency and openness and and producing like a really good product. And he produced some of the best stuff. He was very passionate. And then he died. Yeah, he, he dies. And the brand now is left with the family. The family's like, what are we going to do with this? Eventually, it, they put it in the hands of the, of the current owners. And the first thing they did was they, they sought out Anna Maria because Anna Maria was working with Brad to develop the first profile. So they went back to Anna Maria and said, okay, you know, Brad put you on a pedestal and let's, let's continue like, you know, where he left off and put additive free first, like super important to be clean. You know, the product today is great. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see a product fall back in the hands. Usually it goes the other way, right? Yeah. When a, when a brand gets sold, eh, then you get questionable results, but this, this, this time it, uh, it actually, it worked in the product's favor. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And, and they weren't trying to 
remake it exactly the way it was. They knew so much time had changed, but they were still focused on on creating an incredible tequila. And when we first started that tour with Ana Maria, I mean, first thing we did was we got a glass of one of their new products coming out. And, you know, really great to see that they're continuing to make incredible tequila as they're going to have a high proof coming out shortly as well. Uh, so it was great to have them be a part of the day. Yeah, the, the, Corito is one of those brands that I'm really happy that they're on the additive free program I, uh, on the list. I, th- I think that they are a big asset and I think that they are honest, trustworthy and have the right set of priorities uh, when it comes to making tequila. So I'm, I'm, I was really excited that they agreed to support that day for us. And, and then, you know, we ended the week just like where we started back in Tlaquipaki and we had a dinner with Lalo and, uh, Lalo brought out a still strength, kind of the theme throughout a, a lot of, uh, incredible still strengths. And this was a high proof that we got to try just seeing Lalo just blow up. I mean, that, that Blanco, there's a story just like Guillermo that he's got a authentic story to tell and he's making some great tequila. So man, what a great ending. I mean, his attention to detail, that dinner was personalized napkins and plates. And I got to bring home a little 55 ABV of, of that Blanco. So, uh, it'll be exciting to see once that comes out. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but, um, and just a great night, a great night to end with, with everybody there. And, uh, you know, just to cap off the week. And as you said, Thursday night, I was out late Friday night. I was was making sure I was going to bed. Stefano said, Hey, let's go to Gallo for just one drink. And I, and I, and I, and I said, I said, there's no way it's going to be one drink. And, and so, you know, we're, we're getting ready. It's already 11 o'clock. We get to the hotel. Cause we had, you know, I had plates, we had stuff we had to drop off. And, and I think I made the right call when I thought, you know what? I could probably just pack and and just go to bed. So I, I bailed. I did not go out. I, I was a responsible adult. And Lucas texts me at three thirty in the morning and says, "I just got back from El Gallo, and I'm getting picked up at four fifteen to go to the airport." And I thought, "Nope, I can't do that." He's 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 a little younger, but uh, I, I was happy going to bed at eleven. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. I. Yeah, I had to be, I had uh, every single day I had to be the responsible adult because I knew that I had to be up first <laughs> and I had to be like making sure things were happening. And you guys probably had a lot more fun than I did, but. Well, Grover, thank you. Thank you for everything that you guys have done. This this has been an incredible week. You know, we've all been putting out content and and you even had some people there, some some dear friends of yours that were filming stuff. Are, are we going to continue to see some content from you? I know we're all putting that stuff out, but will, will other people get a glimpse uh, of this week? So talking to you right now is basically my break from editing video because I've been head deep yep. into all of these, all this footage we captured. Yeah, the plan is to produce long form content from all of these presentations. So, uh, you know, the trip uh, itself was all for nerds and geeks and people who are just complete fanatics about tequila. And so the videos that we're going to put up are exactly that, too. So, you know, strap in. It's going to be an hour long, you know, YouTube videos that are going to be put up of the entire all of the presentations. And uh, I'm not interested in like little, you know, quick tidbit you know, TikTok, you know, things. I'm like, you know, let's go long form, strap in, watch this thing and learn uh, what we all learned. It was really important for me that we captured all of it. So uh, Jack was my college roommate for many years, both at the Rochester Institute of Technology and Ohio University when we studied photojournalism together. Him and his wife, Amy, they came down and then they, they did all the 
all the video shoots. It was great to see him again and work with him again. But he was super enthusiastic. And I think when he left, uh, he left as a tequila fan. I think I think we converted him. No, it was great. It was great to, to see them there and, and to learn. And, and I'm excited to see, you know, I, I am doing a lot of the TikTok and the short form uh, snippets, but but to be able to see what you're putting out, um, I don't envy you with all the editing uh, that I know you're, you're having to go through. So uh, excited to see that stuff. But Grover, thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Thank you for, you know, you and Scarlett and Carla, all the hard work you guys did putting this thing together. Uh, it, it really was special. And, uh, you know, just for us to be able to share the story, it, it is super important. So thank Thanks for coming back on the show. Maybe we'll make it a fourth time in the future, but cheers, my friend. Salute. See ya. That was Grover Sanchagrin from Tequila Matchmaker. Keep an eye out for their Fortaleza giveaway as they're helping dogs in need. And if you haven't downloaded the Tequila Matchmaker app, do it now. There's so much great information on the app and the tastetequila.com website. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Agave Social Club, where I post daily. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening. <laughs>